everybody, and welcome to an episode of Coach's Corner. I have my soon-to-be husband, so exciting, sitting next to me. <laughs> Say something. <laughs> I can't talk to myself. Yeah, I like looking at you, though. Oh, my gosh. People are either inspired by our love or a little nauseated by it. I don't know which one both. it is. There should be both. There should be both. Should be both. I am too sometimes. Why not? Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, not sure how to interpret that one. Moving right along, the reason that this gentleman, soon to be my husband, is sitting next to me is because we are going to answer some questions about love and relationships. A week ago, we hosted a special live event on love and relationship. It was my monthly group coaching call and we had a lot of questions and we didn't get to all of them. So we promised the people that joined us that we would answer them in a podcast. And we had so many of them that this is probably going to be a two-part podcast, but we're going to dive into as many as we can today. Yeah. Yeah. Anything to say before we dive in? I think some of these questions are very relevant and they're really powerful questions. So even if the people that are listening were not on that web, uh, that live, what was it? Zoom live event. Training, Zoom yeah. event webinar that we did. I think there's just so much value in here. Some of these questions are really powerful. I'm excited. Yeah. We love talking about love and relationships. So the first one is from Marianne and she writes, I divorced in 2002 and have had no real committed relationship since. The one I thought might go the distance lasted three years, ended in 2016 when I found out the relationship was based on deceptions. He is a sex addict. How did I not see that? I have since healed from that and moved on, but I'm struggling with the questions of why have I not been able to call in a kind, healthy, happy, and grounded relationship? Is it an age factor, unknown block, or just throwing out bad juju? All right, Marianne. So the first thing I want to gently say is that I don't think that you've healed from the past relationship because of your comment that says, how did I not see that? So to me, that reveals that there's still a lot of self-judgment around not being able to see it. And a big part of the healing process is self-forgiveness, forgiving ourselves for any judgments we placed on ourselves. I'm guessing from the tone of your email that there's some judgments that you should have seen this coming, you know, and after three years, in your words, how did you not know? So I think that there's a deeper level of self-forgiveness has nothing to do with age. There could be some unknown blocks. I know you wanted to talk about that part. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's an age issue. I, I very, we don't even know how old you are. Yeah, <laughs> I very rarely think it's ever an age issue. Uh, and the the main reason for that is because at every at any different stage in our lives, we will attract and and resonate with people that are aligned with our values at that stage of our lives. So I don't think so much it's an age issue. What I do feel, however, is that there could be uh, an underlying belief system or belief systems of what you are wanting to attract and maybe there needs to be some some clarity around that around getting really clear around the the person that you want and as Christine said earlier that self-forgiveness piece and that self-compassion piece is so so important and maybe that's contributing or that lack of uh, self-compassion is contributing to almost a, a simmering of subtle fears maybe a fear of being deceived again, maybe it's a fear of something else, maybe it's a fear of spending time with someone one year, two years, four years and it not working out. However, 
I think there are some fears there that are holding you back maybe from really going deeper into a committed relationship. Yeah. And maybe it's the fear of not being worthy of love. That's a deep fear for so many of us is for whatever self-judgments we have, we then don't think we're worthy of love. And so it's not so much about any of our external circumstances that we may blame it on. I don't live in the right place. I'm not the right age. I've been divorced. I have a kid. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too fat. I'm too thin. (laughs) Like whatever your judgments may be, what's really underneath that is not feeling like you really deserve love. So we suggest diving a little bit deeper into your relationship with yourself, really also looking at your family of origin and anything that might've happened in your childhood that influenced how you think or what you think you need to do in order to earn love. Do you think you need to be a people pleaser? Do you think you need to wear masks? Do you really feel like you can be fully self-expressed and share your most authentic, vulnerable self and still be loved? Or do you think there's something you need to do in order to keep love? So those are all really questions to explore. And one of the things we talked about in the live group coaching call is a new program we're launching together called Be the Queen. And it's really for single women of any age who Mm. really want a well-matched relationship. And we're not just giving you dating strategies to call in a guy, because believe me, in my single years, no dating strategy ever really worked for me, but really looking at the known and unknown blocks that you may have to the epic love that you desire. So we'll share a little bit more about that later in the podcast. If you're already intrigued, you can go to christinehaster.com slash be the queen. And until September 15th, we're offering $500 off. So Marianne, if this is resonating, we highly suggest you check that out. You want to read the question from Amy? Yeah, I'll just say one more thing to what we just spoke to then. I I found in my own personal experience and what I've seen in others is that if we're looking to external factors as to why we're not experiencing something that we truly desire, it's generally an indication that there's something unresolved deeply within us. And that's been my experience with myself as well. Mm -hmm. And looking externally has been a way of avoiding coming face to face with what's happening inside. Right. Without self-judgment, we need to do that with compassion. Yeah. Without thinking something's wrong with me and I have this deep wound and that's why I don't have love. There's plenty of people that fall in love that are so wounded. It's not about that. It's really about looking at how those wounds are influencing your readiness, your believable worthiness, and how, how, how open your heart is. I mean, I really thought I was ready for love before I actually was, I still had a lot of protection and guards around my heart. And you're definitely going to want to listen to Wednesday's episode of the podcast where I coach Daisy, because we talk a lot about how we have walls around our heart and how to break down those walls so we can really let in intimate relationships. Mm. The next question is from Amy. My boyfriend and I are both very sensitive, emotional people. In the beginning of our relationship, He was very emotive, open and honest, which at times I was apprehensive about but really grew to love his openness. But he doesn't seem quite the same person from when we first met. I miss feeling his heart. He treats me well and he's still one of the sweetest men I've ever met. I do love him and have told him this. He's still not sure how he feels. I understand he's always had difficulties in determining how he feels because he did grow up in a household where emotions were not allowed. I will admit that I am sad to care for someone so much but not feel it back in return. I will admit I also have a stressful life. I have ADHD which can make my life hectic. 
I also change in my feelings often and I think it has the possibility to throw John off kilter and possibly cause him not to trust me with his feelings as well as it's hard for him to decipher which are mine and which are his. My thoughts are I just need to give him time and space and consistency, always striving for. Another thought is that we are too sensitive for one another, definitely both empaths, and I am too much for him. It breaks my heart to think this. I can't help but think we are perfectly suited. Once we get things right, or maybe we each need one person that is less sensitive. I feel at times each of our own anxieties uh, ups the others. I guess my questions are, how do you know, there are a few questions here, so we'll start with this one. How do you know a relationship isn't working because you need to do work on yourself? <laughs> well, first of all, let's like this work on ourselves. I, mm. I try not to use that phrase too often because we're always growing. We're always evolving. And a relationship will provide an amazing invitation for growth because you're going to trigger each other. It's the most intimate relationship we have next to our relationship with our family of origin and our relationship with our parents. So it is a very triggering thing. And we're always going to have the opportunity to grow and evolve. So in terms of the question of how do you know if it isn't working because you need to work on yourself, I think it's more, it isn't working because you aren't working together. So in a relationship, each person is responsible for working through their own triggers but then working together on how to deal with each other's triggers. Now, I work on my own triggers, but I'm in a relationship with Steph and he's got to work with my triggers as well. And we've got to work with how my triggers affect the relationship and the same for him. So I think it's more about, are you working together in a healthy way? Are you growing and evolving on your own and doing your own quote unquote work? And are you also working together? So to me, and this is a value for me, I couldn't be in a relationship with someone who wasn't willing to do his work. And so if you are looking, if that's a value for you, if you really want to be with someone who's doing his work, then from a very heartfelt place, I think you need to make that clear. And at the same time, also take responsibility for how you're showing up in the relationship. Is that inspiring him to look at himself or are you maybe distracted? Are you judgmental? Are you unpredictable? Really ask him, are you calling him forward to grow? Or does he feel like your behavior makes it harder for him? I really suggest in a situation like this, hiring a counselor or a coach, some kind of third party that can help you navigate through some of these questions. And Amy, often I've, I've found that if we're looking to the other to attempt to fix a situation, we often need to go deeper within our own self, our own healing, our own exploration. And a focus here can really shift the entire dynamic of the relationship. You mentioned earlier that in your, in your, in your question that sometimes life is hectic and, and you also change your feelings. That can impact, of course, your partner and, and have him withhold and not express fully because he's also confused. So it could be a combination of a number of things, as we've mentioned, and also that you need to just maybe communicate with each other and that could be a big part of it. And and remember, remember this, to not panic and what's not working now in the moment doesn't mean that it won't be working later on. 
and it just as as Christine mentioned earlier, to some extent, it requires attention and patience, and again, really deep compassion for yourself and for him. Yeah, yeah. And hey, we're both empaths. So one of yeah. your questions is: Are two empaths a recipe for disaster? What about two people with anxiety? Without tools. Any two people are a recipe for disaster. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're empaths, you have anxiety, depression, whatever your label, codependent, whatever label you throw on yourself. Without tools and communication and a common vision, it is a recipe for disaster. Sure, and that's the thing. Early in our relationship, I think why we haven't gone into disaster mode when we've had our challenges is one, we were super clear on our values in a relationship and growth was at the top of the list for both of us. Both of us value communication and we were all in. We knew that, hey, if this relationship didn't work, we were just going to go repeat our, our shit with other people. So I have this person in front of me who's all in and we that kind of commitment gives you the safety to really navigate and to really explore. So it's not being an empath or having anxiety that's a recipe for disaster. It's not having a clear commitment, a shared vision, and the proper tools to really navigate the relationship. Part of those tools, and, and Christine is such a massive proponent of this, and, and honestly, if it wasn't for Christine, because I have a tendency to isolate, even though I do lean on brethren and and support groups. and Brethren? And, yeah, brethren. There's a word you don't use every day. Yeah. Brethren. I don't think I've used that since I read Shakespeare in high school. <laughs> it's a more appropriate word for brothers. Uh, I, I was feeling very isolated being here in the US and, and so I perpetuated that behaviour and, and Christine was really a support and proponent for us seeking support outside of each mm -hmm. other and outside of the relationship and that really avoided disaster. Yeah. And, and I was very reluctant. I was stubborn. I was resistant towards that because I was just digging my heels in and saying, no, I'm going to wallow in my anger and my, my frustration. But Christine was deeply compassionate around that. I remember many times and when I did reach out, and really was vulnerable with trusted people, It, I brought that back, that vulnerability, that softness and that awareness back into the relationship, which, which completely changed our dynamic so many times. And, of course, that when it repeats itself, it mm -hmm. becomes a healthy habit. Yeah, you pull out of those funkinesses way, yeah. way sooner. Yeah. But I've also learned, because another question you have here, Amy, is what to do when your boyfriend isn't able to express his feelings despite you being patient, open, and loving. Now, this was a hard one for me when Steph would go into his shutdown mode, especially me doing what I do. I, I help people with their feelings. And the fact that he wouldn't express to me, share with me was very frustrating. But my frustration and my kind of nagging and picking on him to, to share and wanting to talk to me, trying to elicit it from him didn't work. But just holding that place of compassion of I'm here, I love you. When you're ready to talk, I, I'm ready to talk. And I'd share, I share with you that it doesn't feel great. Like when you isolate or pull mm -hmm. away, like I'm honest with, without blame and without being passive aggressive and without offering any ultimatums, you know, I, I will say, I miss you. Like it hurts my heart when you feel distant and you know, when you're ready to talk to me, I'm here. And then to, to not get obsessed with trying to pull him out of his funk and to move on with, with my own life. And also 
to not let myself go into anxiety mm-hmm. because Amy, I think that's what's happening with you when you feel him shut down or repress his feelings that makes you feel unsafe and that creates anxiety. So it's really up to you to create a feeling of safety inside of you and know that when he's not emoting, just be careful what you make that mean. You know, don't, Mm. don't make that mean he doesn't love you or whatever you tend to make it mean. And, and it's also good to have conversations about this while he's not in that, you know, it's, it's great to have conversations when you're really connected about how to deal with each other when you get triggered. Yeah. And to, to continue from that, it's about having healthy conversations when you're in a healthy place and establishing some agreements, some ways to be when you are both pushed to your edge, when you're both experiencing stress. We found that very, very mm-hmm. helpful. Whether it's a, whether it's a tool of me dropping and and putting my head <laughs> my le- my legs over my head and having a conversation with you from that way because I, my body's getting tense, but whatever it may be, or we, we both go for a walk or we go to separate rooms for a moment, and do some deep breathing. Yeah, it, it's it's but you have to establish these agreements around specific circumstances that are painful or or fear-provoking or triggering when you're in a good place. And that's Mm -hmm. a really healthy tool as well Mm -hmm. to use. Mm -hmm. And like we said, get some support. If you're having a hard time navigating it and you want to continue in this relationship, get some support. And that's a great segue to my sponsor for this episode, which is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a way for you to get matched with your own licensed professional therapist online and work with your counselor virtually. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, grief, self-esteem, and so much more. You can connect with your counselor in a safe and private online environment. Anything you share is confidential and so convenient. You can get help at your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. If you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. Best of all, it's truly an affordable option. And for over it and on with it listeners, you get 10% off your first month with discount code over it. So consider getting started today. Go to betterhelp.com slash over it. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. Again, betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash over it. All right. So let's dive back in. So let's do two more. Let's take one from a gentleman. This is from Mark. My wife and I have been married for over 30 years and we love each other deeply. My wife has been through breast cancer and the resulting treatment and reconstructive surgery and she doesn't like anything about herself when she looks at herself in the mirror. I tell her she's beautiful and I love her very much. But because of this attitude she's harboring, we haven't made love for around five years now. What can I do to encourage her to seek professional help with this? Mm. I'm going to jump in and say... Um, Mark, I, I really, I really feel you, brother, from from man to man, and and that's that's a really difficult thing, and and I really feel for your wife as well, what she's gone through, and not only the physical transformation, but also the the emotional and the psycho spiritual transformations that she's gone through in dealing with this from her perspective, and of course you dealing with it from your perspective. Maybe you have children, maybe you don't. Thirty years is a substantial amount of time to really 
built some history and and I really, and I'm sure I can speak for Christine on this, I really, really honour you both 30 mm-hmm. years together and and loving each other deeply and caring for each other is a beautiful thing and she's obviously going through some immense pain and so your question, what can I do to encourage you to seek professional help with this? I'd also think about seeking some professional help, my friend, and support. For yourself. For yourself, yeah. yeah. Really, again, if you have a close group of trusted, respected, revered friends, men that you can go to, um, even women that you can go to to really gain insight and just to share yourself, just to share some of your struggles and maybe by getting some professional help, you may inspire your wife to do the same. And this this is a big, big topic though. There's so much here. Yeah. And what I'm picking up on is I feel like, Mark, you feel you don't have the right to share how hard this has been for you Mm. because she's been through so much. And it feels like you've been her rock and her sense of support. And in your head, you go, I can't pressure her. I can't ask for sex because she's the one that had breast cancer and had a mastectomy. And, and, and I, I understand that well as best I can. Um, and I really encourage you to make it okay for you to have needs as well. And in a vulnerable way, maybe express to her just how much you miss her. And I think that 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 piece needs some attention from your end is what, you know, how have you sacrificed your own needs, repressed things you want to say, not shown really how this has affected you because she's been through so much in your eyes and you don't want to add any more to her plate. And while I understand that, that's creating a bigger gap in the relationship Um, So I second Steph's advice of seeking some professional help on your own so that maybe you have some support in releasing some of the emotions that you've had to go through because it's one person to go, it's, you know, one person's going through the, the disease and there's their feelings and their experiences, but it's also very difficult for the person that's supporting that person going through it. And often that person harbors a lot of the emotion and doesn't feel justified in emoting because they're not the one that was sick. So I think having that kind of support would be good for you and might give you some of the language. And like Steph said, it may inspire her to seek help herself. And I just really acknowledge your question and the fact that, you know, you want to help her and that might be a pattern too. You can you always helping her and being her rock. Mm. And it's it's just okay for you to have needs too and get your own help and maybe give her an opportunity to care for you. Yeah, and I'm wondering if you've you've dimmed down your voice, Mark, as well. We tend to do that sometimes when we perceive a, a problem or an issue to be bigger of a loved one bigger than ours. We shut ourselves down, we shut our voice down, we minimise ourselves and we maximise others. And in turn, I'm wondering, and of course I don't know this, but have you been asking for intimacy and connection? And maybe you haven't because you've thought, well, you don't want to add that burden to her. She's not happy with her body. She's not happy with herself. And maybe in turn that has had her thinking that she's undesirable, which has perpetuated and compounded how she feels about herself. And this isn't your fault, of course. You're both just coming from your own patterns, your unconscious patterns and your woundings. And 
I'm just wondering what level of, of community, can you deepen your communication, your compassionate communication with each other? And, of course, you can't control anyone else really, but you can have mastery over your own self and begin to make changes in your world and the way you show up and observe what happens in that dynamic from from there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just sending so much love to both you and yeah, your wife. Definitely. Definitely something that you can get to the other side of. I think you oh. just need a little little support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing just came to me. I remember Mark saying that you, you know, he tells her how beautiful she is and, and that's a beautiful thing. And maybe I was just thinking of love languages. Maybe her love language isn't words of affirmation. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's something else. So maybe you can express to her how beautiful she is from your perspective in a different way. That may also help somewhat mm-hmm. at least to gain deeper access into each other's hearts. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, shifting gears to a much different question <laughs> from mm. Catherine, mm. and I'll, I'll read the question because I'm definitely going to have you answer this one. <laughs> How can I identify secretive men in early dating stages? <laughs> so I'm going I'm to ramble. I'm going to ramble off some some possible signs here. Let's just. I'm going to caveat this by saying, and not throw every every human being that may have or carry one of these traits under the bus in terms of that if. They uh, have a lack of eye contact that it means that they are secretive, not necessarily. It could mean that they're shy as well. So mm-hmm. these could be possible signs if they're grouped together and there's many of them and they're consistent. It's a sure sign something's not in alignment, especially if it doesn't sit well with you. The first thing I'm going to say is listen and feel and hear your intuition. If there's a lack of eye contact, if that person is not a details person, if they're choosing not to share their life with you, if they're very ambiguous and vague about who they are, what they do, what they've done, where they've been, if they're not introducing you to their friends, if they're closed off with their phone or their laptop and so forth, if they're elusive in their language, if they, if you just don't feel safe, mm-hmm. that's a sign that they're secretive. And again, maybe they're not hiding anything malicious. Maybe they're just hiding themselves. They don't know how to express so we can't we can't um, paint everyone with the same brush. That's really really important. If you don't feel like you can be yourself in front of them, that's also telling you something as well. Mm. And I, I really believe that as a woman, you can feel it. Yeah, and, and I. Agree. I my biggest clue for me is when I when I have a little bit of nervousness or anxiety, like I'm not sure if I'm going to hear from them. I overthink texts, like when I'm editing myself, when I feel like I can't be myself Mm. and I'm not clear where he is in the relationship. You know, I knew from the get go, I could trust Steph because my whole body and nervous system relaxed around him. He never, you know, he'd hand me his phone and be like, oh, the passcode is da, 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 da. He, he, there was, (laughs) no, don't, somebody else (laughs) might find your phone. Find all my sexy pictures on it. All right, I'll change it. (laughs) Uh, But it was from the beginning, he was an open book. And you can tell when someone pretends an open book and, and divulges these things that you think are deep versus just in their daily interaction. They're inclusive of you. They're letting you know what they're doing they're inviting you into their world and consistent their life. Behavior consistent behavior as well. Consistent behavior. Words and actions thing. matching are yeah. massive. So Integrity, consistent behavior is a big, big sign. Yeah. If the alarm system goes off physically or emotionally or intuitively, you're probably accurate. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we have many more questions, but we're going to dive into them on a future podcast. One of the things that I wanted to come back to is the program Be the Queen, where we talk so much about how to remove these blocks, how to call in the kind of man that you want. That was another part of Catherine's questions, how to identify men with similar mindsets. And this is a program that was created from both of our hearts. Steph mm. gets so many direct messages and emails and comments from women about how do I find a man who's conscious? How do I have this epic relationship? I've gotten like thousands of comments about how our love is inspiring. How did I call on this kind of love? How did I know? What was my process? And I am writing a book about that, but the book is not done. And since we feel like there's such a need and an urgency for this, we created the program Be the Queen, which is a three-month program. It starts in November. It consists of uh, bi-monthly group coaching calls with us where we're going to be leading two times you through. A month. Yeah, two times a month. We're going to fortnightly, as the Aussies would say. Right. Uh, we'll be leading you through exercises. We'll be teaching you content. We'll be taking your questions. Everyone that comes in gets a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with Steph. And I think that's really important to have that because as women, we need to build trust with the masculine. There's also mm. a way to upgrade to have one-on-one -on -one sessions with me as well. Tons of content, bonuses, bonuses so and, and we're also supporting you through the holidays. So it starts yeah. in November and it ends right before Valentine's Day. Mm. And for me, as a single woman, those were the hardest times of the year. So we really want to be there for you. We're offering a $500 discount until September 15th. Again, you can go to christinehassler.com slash be the queen and fill out the application there. I'm most excited about this because I really get an opportunity to help women understand the hearts and the minds of men at deeper levels. And I, and then I'm able to really help women see that there are so many amazing men out there yeah. and have the amazing men feel this openness and compassion from women that are just so connected to their being. I'm just so excited about this. Me too. So We're really excited. And it's already filling up. Yeah. We barely yeah. shared about it. And it's like, we've got yeah. over 60 applications. Yeah. So ladies, get in while you can. Again, christinehaster.com slash be the queen. All right. So we'll be back, not next week, but the week after to yeah. answer some more questions about love and relationships. Anything you want to say? Send, send them off with some brethren wisdom, my love. <laughs> Oh, brethren, it's so out of context. I just like saying brethren, where out thou brethren? Just based on everything that we heard today and, and what we read out, it's really so important to treat yourself with compassion, respect and self-love and going through your day and, and meeting your relationships from that place I think can make a massive difference on how you feel about yourself. Absolutely. Starts with self, self-compassion. And for all of you Europeans, join us in London. We'll be there August, no, October, October 6th. We won't be there in the past. We'll be there in the future. October 6th, <laughs> christinehaster.com slash London dash 2019. If you can't find it, just go to christinehaster.com, click on the events page and come spend a day amplifying love with us in London. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's it. See you soon. <laughs>